WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, home of Southern Sports and Talk, Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. The thing is, until you can erase three Februaries, shut up. Quality over quantity. LeBron has beaten some of the best competition in NBA history. He's the GOAT emoji. I will not cuss. I will not cuss. I will not swear. I will not swear. Where sports is the base, life and fun are the results. This is The Brian Snow Show. There we go. Uh, my fight with technology continues. Good afternoon, everyone. Sorry for the technical difficulties with my microphone. Welcome to the Brian Snow Show on this Friday. Glad to have you all with me. And I want to pose a question. And I want to pose it to people who suffer from depression, like I, and anxiety. What was the point that turned the light on for you and you said, you know what, I'm going to just pull it all together. You have to have a point where you're, you're, you have to have a point where you're so low, where you're lower than low. And you either you either get it back together or you don't exist anymore. I start with that question because my guest, Mark, has a podcast called The Relatively Normal Podcast. And I love the title of that. Mark, how are you this afternoon, my friend? Great to have you. I am Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. I appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. What was what was your lowest point where you hit beyond rock bottom and you said, you know what the hell with this? Let's let's put it let's put it together. What was that point? That point was a a night probably I'd say about fifth. 14, 15 years ago, and maybe longer than that now, think about it, and um, I'm driving home from work, and I live in the the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and I'm driving home, and uh, I'm on 270 in a work truck, and I I say to myself, I could just pull this truck into oncoming traffic. I could just cross the median, and at that point, someone will have to listen to me. Someone will have to understand what I'm going through. And, I, you know, I thought about it a lot. And the reason most likely I didn't do that is because I was in a company truck. And I, w- I felt bad for the company that was doing, that was a very right. toxic company to be in. If I was in my vehicle, I don't know what would have happened that night. Right. So that was my, my low point. If you... You just said something that's so true. If you were in your own vehicle, you don't know what would have happened. And it's so tough for us as men to have a voice. 
You know, my friend Charles Faulkner, who lives in Maryland, said it best. Men are not allowed to have a bad day. Nope. And it's so true. More today with the advent of social media, with men trying to voice what's on their mind. The weapon that I use is in front of me, and that's my microphone. Who, when did, when, when were you, when were you diagnosed with uh, depression and, and anxiety? So the, the funny part about that is, is when we go through things in our life, like it, we really need to hear those words. We really need to hear those words because we Absolutely. will, we will find ways to say we don't have things we, we, we are being affected with. And, and I remember the first time I heard it. I was a young adult. I was in my, it was shortly after the encounter, that thing I just told you about. Mm -hmm. And a, a therapist actually said the word depression. He said, you are suffering from depression. And it was the first time I heard it and listened to it. And I felt it hit my body. Like I felt it hit my body. Cause we will use the word and we say, oh, I'm so depressed that my team lost or I'm so depressed, you know, right. Is it, but the moment that we suffer from depression, it takes on a life of its own. And I, I heard that and I said, and I think I, he may have seen something in me or I perked up a little bit and he kind of gave me that look like, yeah, like, yes, that's, that's what, the, what you're telling me, what you're going through, you know, constantly sad, constantly can't see a bright spot in things, you know, thinking you're a failure over the smallest things. Yep. And he's like, all right, we have a starting point. Like we have a starting point. Now let's work on seeing what your triggers are and let's work on what some coping mechanisms for you. What set me adrift in depression, two events. When my dad passed away in 2007, eight years later, my little baby girl Donna passed away. You want to talk about two big inspirations. Mm -hmm. And I was in the process of setting up a home where I can go get my baby girl and my fiance at the time and to learn that she passed. And I learned that she passed through Facebook. Oh, man. You want to talk about something hitting you like a ton of bricks? Mm -hmm. And then two years later, 2017, I was at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And a former friend said the phrase, I know you've hit rock bottom. And I went completely mm -hmm. off. I went off. I, ver I verbally went off. That began my odyssey because I spent a week in the mental hospital in Michigan City, Indiana, away from everything and everybody. Worst birthday week ever but it turned out to be the best one ever because it allowed me to reset. And I too see, I too see a therapist. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of men have the courage. Yep. <laughs> and let me repeat that. Let me repeat that for those of us in the Capitol center. Not a lot of men have the courage. Matter of fact, more to the point, a lot of men are here. It comes discouraged from seeking therapy. 
How's it, how's therapy worked for you? It, um, I tell people a lot of the times, um, therapy probably saved my life. And I don't know what would have, what, what road I would have gone down. Um, and, and I'm going to say this too. I had a bad therapist that almost turned me off to it. It um, Mm. almost said, I almost said, okay, I found out what that's about. Not for me. And that little voice in my head kept saying, you're still going through these things. You're still feeling this way. Nothing, nothing in your life is going well in my head. Nothing in my life is going right. And I literally said, try one more time. Just try one more time. And I was so fortunate to find a therapist in Springfield, Virginia. And uh, we met every Friday, every other Friday. And it was a weird feeling when I kind of asked him, because this is through EAP, through my, my work, and I found him through that. And we got to the third session and the fifth session and the sixth. And I was like, okay, so I guess we're wrapping this up. Right. He looked at, he looked at me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you know, I, I guess I'm, you know, you've done what you're going to do. Cause I had such a bad experience before. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he's like, we have work to do. We got work to do. And like to that, that feeling of someone not only supporting me and saying he had time for me, but like giving me that feeling that I was worth it. Giving me the feeling like I was worth somebody's time and patience. It was a new feeling for me. And we ended up going, I ended up seeing him for close to 10 years on and off, you know, that we go for like two years, take a year off. I I'd, I'd do some check, check in, things like that. And the thing that he told me and, and thus the name of my show, I remember one day I walked in and I was at a, I was at a low, it was, it wasn't a good day, low day. It was nothing with, nothing with the world. Like the sun was out. Right. Yeah. Everything was good, but it was just, I was, I, the, the chemical imbalance is real. Like I was in a low place. And I said, he said to me, he asked me straight up, what do you want? And I said, I just, I just want to be like everyone outside. I see with a smile on their face, not a care in the world. I want to be normal. And he explained to me that, Hey, you know what? One, you don't know what they're going through. And two, this is your normal. Like, this is you. And normal is relative. So let's work through what your triggers are again as they continue to come. And you just have to do more work on yourself. That's all you have to do. You have to cope a little different than everybody else. But you're normal. Don't let anybody tell you you're not. And that stuck with me for so long it's it's still with me to this day like i'll never like when my my kids talk to me or when someone calls me and says they're feeling out of whack and they just they want to be like this person want to be like that person they want to be it's like no this is this is you this is you embrace it and your normal is relative the that's the biggest reason i reached out to you mm-hmm. not just the title of your podcast but mm-hmm. there are so many things i read about you that I identify with mm-hmm. and being in my forties diagnosed with depression and anxiety, you know, the stigma is there mm-hmm. being a, uh, let me, let me just be all the way real with it. Being a man mm-hmm. 
diagnosed with depression and anxiety. You want to talk about a you want to talk about two quick strikes. Yep. There you are. And it's harder for and I am a big advocate of men's rights. Let me just be all the way real with it. I'm a big advocate of men's rights. My wife, Jody, supports me in that plight. But relatively, relatively normal is a perfect title for your podcast. How did that get started? So I, just like you, I, I thought to myself, there's not a lot of places that this is talked about in regard to men, in mm-hmm. regard to, you know, you don't want to go even deeper, black men, but just men in society. And I want people to understand that men are judged on what they can give. Yes. What they have given society. Um, You know, this is not, and I never wanted this to be a competition. I never wanted to be a comparison. Right. But, but women are so good at not only showing their emotions, but the world is good at understanding their emotions. And say that again, please. (laughs) I said, please, like for those of us in the cheap seats at Memorial Stadium, say that again, please. The women are good at they're great at showing their emotions mm-hmm. but the but the world is also great at not only realizing but validating their emotions they're allowed to feel that way they're allowed to have those emotions um we Man. we live in a we know we live in a hyper masculine society we know we live in that we we understand that yes and for instance, take a look at a at a football game in December in Chicago and how many dudes aren't wearing long sleeve shirts. Right. Because because they want to show the competition how tough they are. Yep. yep. It's like it's like, man, you're cold. It's okay. It's fine to be cold. Right. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, you I mean they're bare chest. It's yes. minus ten degrees. They're bare chested at Soldier Field and a bunch yeah. of them are spilling out Chicago. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You do that in the summer, not in the yeah. winter. You don't. And, you don't do that in December. December. But, I'm and I'm from Chicago, born and raised. It's cold. It's it, cold. Damn cold. It's not just cold. It's damn cold. What the and, hell am I going to put a C on my chest mm-hmm. in minus ten degree weather for? In front of sixty five thousand people, and you, and you know, Fox Sports is going to catch that. Oh, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. They make um, you know, you know, Fox yeah. Sports is going to catch that, or where, or or give, or given the fact we're on in we're on in Atlanta on WQEE, the folks at the Mercedes Benz Stadium are going to love that. But Mercedes Benz Stadium, their roof can close, but it gets it does get cold in Atlanta, not like Chicago, but doggone, why are you going to do that? <laughs> You know, I, I always, I always wondered about that. And I always thought to myself, like I, when I get cold, I cover at no point do I want to go now. I will say this, like there are some reasons for cold therapy and I will, I will yep. go out and that's, that's, that's a totally different thing. That's me working on my Very body, much so. Very but, much so. but in this hyper masculine society, like men not only get judged by the opposite sex but we get judged by other men and mm-hmm. we, and, and other men say, Oh, I, I don't want to hang out with that dude. He's, 
he soft like uh you know he 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 was crying he was like i know that do and the thing about it is that how am i getting judged for having human feelings how am like i would love to tell everyone that i can control everything that i feel but i can't this is me this no. is who i am exactly and i started the show because I figured what better way than a six foot five, 235 pound black man talking about his feelings for other men to say, he's doing it. Maybe I can do it. Boy, I understand that. Being six foot five myself, <laughs> 240 pounds, <laughs> and I just got done kicking cancer's ass. Oh, man, congrats. I'm not supposed to be here. I, I had stage four pancreatic cancer. Oh, wow. I'm not supposed, I'm supposed to be in a box. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Duke University Hospital told my wife mm -hmm. to get your affairs in order because the tumor is inoperable. And in lieu of swearing, my wife said, none of that. So we came back up here to Indiana and got things together met my oncologist. He made a phone call because I can't tell you how I was even more depressed than ever with the chemo mm -hmm. messing with me. And here I was thinking, okay, the chemo is going to save my life. Wrong. Dead wrong. And this is coming from a guy who lost both his parents to cancer. I lost my dad to prostate cancer, my mother to breast cancer. I thought for the longest time I'm next in line. The person that saved my life, Jody, my wife. Actually, I credit my daughter, Sonia. When I took a fall, she called 911, discovered there were blood clots in both my lungs. Oh, man. That led to them discovering a mass on my left, on the left side of my abdomen. And us not wondering where it was or where it came from. And then that's when the diagnosis came down. When I got that diagnosis, and it was two days before my birthday in 2021. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about a sucker punch? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just got over the blood clots. I'm just getting back connected and getting back into working out and everything. And then pow, mm -hmm. I get that. It'll change you. It will change you. And, it would change everything around you. And black men are not supposed to talk about this? Who says? You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be strong, not shed a tear. You're supposed to, I'm, I'm, oh, man, I'm good. Man. I'm good. Yeah. Man. And then when you finally, how does Popeye put it? You get to a point where you say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And it still feels, and I know you've been there. The folks, uh, the guys in the chat talked to me this afternoon. You get to the point where you scream at the top of your lungs, I can't take anymore. And it just seems like the world turns a deaf ear. You just hear the, you, they just hear the song, Another One Bites the Dust, and you don't want to bite the, can I get a witness? You don't want to bite the dust, man. You just want somebody to listen. 
Men cannot have a bad day. More to the point, black men cannot have a bad day. And to this day, and to this moment, to this moment, that feeling remains that yeah. we can't have a bad day. How do you cope? What are what are some things that you do to cope and to keep you afloat? The the biggest things that I have done in my life, and and listen, I've tried everything. I've tried the meditation. I've tried yep. the mindfulness. I've tried mm-hmm. the, the breathing. Get outside. You know all yep. that stuff. Yep. And for the most part, they you know especially if it's sunny outside and you get outside and the sun hits you, like it's hard to stay in that state once the, the, the rays start hitting you. However, yep. like me, I got to go back inside and work. So it, <laughs> yeah. yes, but, sir. Uh, yeah. But you know, I made a huge, I reframed my life where mm-hmm. I prioritized myself and I started treating myself like a friend. Mm-hmm. Because I saw that anybody who came to me, Mark, I got this problem. Mark, I need your help. Mark, can you listen? I was 100% invested. 100%. Yeah. I'm going to be there. I don't care. Yeah. I tell people, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I got you. Mm-hmm. But the moment that I needed something, I was either scared to go ask somebody for help mm-hmm. or I couldn't even tell myself I was allowed to feel that way. Right. My, my negative self-talk was just off the charts. Like, why do you feel that way? Stop. That's dumb. No, why? Just man up, man up, man yep. up, man yep. up. Yep. I hate that phrase. Oh, I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I hate that phrase. And Whoever uh, first started saying man up needs to be put in front of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, needs to be put through a wall. Mm. I asked question earlier in the conversation what was your lowest point some of the folks that have chimed in nick ficarelli one of my friends when my twins were born in 2009 uh nathaniel mcward i wasn't depressed but i did have a point where i realized i needed to make some changes and that was how i was doing things and that how i was doing things wasn't working yeah that's true both of us have been there with that uh ryan mccarthy very dear friend i just started seeing one myself he's been helping me a lot in seeing my blind spots. That's a big one. Mm. Uh, Nathaniel McWord again, I was, I was lazy. Hey, I was lazy too. I was late. I was lazy too, because you hear that man up. That, that, that phrase makes me growl. It does because checking in from Japan. That's great. Treat yourself as a friend. I love that. I love that too. I love it, that too, because you're there for everybody that says, you know, I need you for something. I need mm-hmm. you to listen. What about when someone needs? What about when someone needs to listen to you? And you got to get stuff off your chest. And I would like to to say something about Nathaniel's comment about I was lazy. Um, mm-hmm. There, there's pro- probably he pro- honestly a lot of us we think we're something when we're not. Like the thing about depression, and I think people need to understand this is it's very it's a very selfish mental illness it's very self we think yes. we are everyone's problem it's on us we have to do it we're the problem we're not doing this we're not doing that we're lazy we're mean we're we can't do anything yep. right and the world is relying yep. on us and 
another reason why I started the show is because I want people to know they're not alone. You're not alone in the in, in your thoughts. Yeah. Now, do we have to do some self-reflection and think? Because I had to do self-reflection and I and I realized that I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was mm -hmm. not at a certain job. I was not a good employee. And it took me a while to do something that a lot of us won't do. And that is to forgive the person we used to be. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through therapy and I kept talking about hating this person. I was hating the, the, the bigger, the in debt, the bad friend. I hated that Mark that used to, to, to live. And it took my therapist telling me, like, you understand, like, you wouldn't be who you are today without that person. So you have to forgive who you were. You didn't know any better. And even if you did, you were trying. So before we say the words, I was lazy, I wasn't a good friend, I wasn't a good son, a good husband, a good father, all those stuff, forgive that person. And then what that allows you to do is because is when we hold on to that hate and we hold on to that pain and fear, that's when the blind spots pop up. Yes. That's when the fog pops up. That's when the blinders are up. But once we say, I forgive you, then we look back and like, oh, wait a second. He wasn't a terrible guy. Like he was trying to get through his 20s. He was trying to make a, a name for himself. He was trying to take care of the people around him. His his grandmother was sick. Like he had a, uh, a distance between him and his sister. Like, oh, his him and his father went through. Like he was working through some things. Yes. Yes. And and we have to. And if anybody's listening is like. They, they look back and they say, oh, I can't, I look at 2009, I can't look at those pictures or 2001, I can't, I don't want that person or even last year, yesterday, mm -hmm. like, I don't like that person. Mm -hmm. We have to work on forgiveness. We have to work on forgiveness. And that's the toughest thing to work on. Oh my goodness. It is hard. It that's is hard. Toughest, that's the toughest thing to work on because not only the, the inner peace that awaits you is further away than you think because you won't forgive yourself or won't forgive that person that you were once upon a time. Then you got society saying, you're doing what? You got society saying, no, you can't do that. You just have to man up and take it and, and take care of business. I talk about this all the time. 2015, I went through a very abusive relationship. Physically, emotionally, mentally. I went to the police in LaPorte, Indiana, and they laughed in my face. Mm -hmm. You're taller than her. You're bigger than her. And I was a lot bigger than this at the time. Why can't you just take care of business? That nearly drove me to my grave. And then two months later, I find out I lost my daughter. You want to talk about a blind spot? I got that. I got I got punched in my I got punched and then I got sucker punched. Mm -hmm. You put all that together, you talk about being in a fog. How tough is it to forgive the person that you once were? What final what finally did it for you when you when when you said no, I forgive that person? What what finally did it? 
You know, I we're all asked in in groups and with friends and and family. We're always asked that question: of, if you could go back in your life, would you change anything? We're we're asked it in passing. We're asked it as as, yep. as icebreakers. We're always asked that question. Yes. And it was probably less than two years ago mm -hmm. where I was asked that question, and my answer was different than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. my, my answer was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing about the person I used to, I wouldn't change a thing about my past because right. it has made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go back and, and make myself, you know, skinnier in my twenties. I wouldn't go back and give myself more money in my third. I wouldn't do any of that stuff because I wouldn't have learned what I've learned. I wouldn't have traveled the road that I've traveled to become here. And now now I know that everything I'm doing today is, is kind of molding me into the person I'm going to become tomorrow. Everything I'm doing with my daughters now, I can see clearly like the reactions I have, the, the, the comments I make to them, the, the answers I, I, I give to them, the time I spend with them. That's molding. I can see clearly now that ev everything means something. And, and again, I'm 43. So that means I lived almost probably 40, over 40 years of my life. Not forgiving that. I mean, I lived in the past so much of my life. Oh, oh I, yeah. I wish I had done that. Mm -hmm. And I don't even dwell on the past anymore. And it's, a, it's a weird and calming feeling when you are intentional and present and it takes a lot of work. And I'm not yeah. going to sit here and tell you that every day is sunshine and rainbows. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But now when it's not, I can see, not only can I see my triggers, I have no problem telling people that I'm going through something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any problem either telling people I'm going through something. I you and to, I, you yeah. and I are the unicorns. You and I are the yes. unicorns right now. But we had to work at it. Yes, we def we definitely had to work at it. And it's still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. There's the biggest. There's the biggest thing I have to remind myself. It's a, it's still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. We all are. You know, and learn in in learning about the new person that I am, but remembering what happened in the past that got me here. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the pod. Talk to me about the podcast. What made you start it? So I, I wanted to, you know, find a place where men would feel comfortable talking. And, and the thought of it was I really didn't have a plan for it other than as a another coping mechanism. Like I had had some good breakthroughs in therapy mm -hmm. and um, and I had talked to my therapist about the conversations I was having with other men. Like I yes. literally was in, in conversations I was having at work and. And I had led a few talks at work about, you know, being you know, leading with empathy and making sure empathy was on the front of everybody's mind when it came to work, because mm -hmm. I was learning more about burnout and stress at work. And so many people were saying that work was the number one cause of their anxiety and stress. And and he just kept saying that, you know, maybe you should, you know, find a way to talk to more people. And and I said, all right, I I. I can do that. And, and I started the podcast and, and, you know, the first episode, here's the thing about the first episode. I recorded it 
in one take, didn't edit it and just put it because I'm like, you know what? If I go back and start picking this thing apart, I won't right. put it out. I won't put it out. Right. It right. Happen. Yes. So I remember I spoke into the mic. It wasn't this one. It was a much cheaper one. Yeah. Um, and and then I finished recording. I uploaded it and I was like, yeah, I'm putting it out. I don't care. I'm putting it out, putting it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And within a couple days, probably two or three days, I had had five men reach out to me and wow. say, thank you. You were saying out loud the things that I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. I told myself, that's, ex that's exactly why I'm doing this. That's exactly like, that's the, that's the validation I needed at that point. I don't know what would have happened if, if I hadn't gotten any feedback or anything like that, but all the, all the feedback I got was thank you. Mm -hmm. And, and the first episode was, I think it was titled, you know, be a friend. And I was, I was talking about how we all have cues that we give off and, and we all use the, the, the question, how you doing in passing mm -hmm. and, and rarely yeah. do we take the time to really figure out what someone's going through. And, and my, my suggestion to people was just take some time to listen to people mm -hmm. and you'll be amazed how you can change somebody's outlook on their day, Absolutely. on their week, on their, Oh, Mark took time out of his day. He took 15 minutes just to, to talk to me. My, you know, my mom is sick and I have nobody to talk to. And I still got to get this, this work done. And Mark shut off his computer and told me to, to sit down and, and have a discussion with him and let, let me know that he was here for me. Mm -hmm. Ch it changes people. It changes it words. Words matter. Words matter. For years, what's the phrase? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. <laughs> a lie. That's a lie. That's one, you know, biggest, yeah. that's one of the biggest lies out there. And you know, the reason people say that is to 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 kind of it's a it's a defense mechanism against a reaction to someone. Yeah, it's a someone has hurt you, and you try to tell yourself, "Oh, it." They can say what they want to say, but it's not going to hurt. No, you're hurt. Yes, yes, you are hurt. <laughs> you you you're, you're hurt, and you got just you just got popped in the mouth verbally. Mm -hmm. hey, wait a minute, you're supposed to be a friend. You're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. That's when you really find out how some people are. Yep. You, you want to you want a coping mechanism when you when when someone insults you, you find out who they are. Mm -hmm. And right there you're given a choice. Keep dealing with it or walk away. I want I walked off. I've learned to I, walk off. <laughs> I can't tell you how much smaller my circle has gotten since I've become more in tune with my feelings. And Amen to that. I and I used to let people say anything to me and in my head I was like, "Oh, well, I mean, that's ask them, that's not me. Like I'm I'm I'll be all right." Like but then you start to realize that this person isn't a good if this is how you treat your friend, I never want to be your enemy. Exactly. Like, so 
would cut this person. And when I say cut them off, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big proponent. I don't need, you know, resolution. I don't need, you know, somebody to come, something to come to an end. I don't need that. Like if I, if it's time for me to move on, it's time for me to move on. I don't need yeah. to, Hey, let's, let's talk about this and let's just figure right. out where we, I, I don't need that. Like if you have done me wrong or done someone close to me wrong, like, unless you are prepared to say I messed up, it's on me. Like, how yep. do I repair this? Mm -hmm. And I, I have like, I'm protecting my peace. I am protecting my peace. And listen, I got, I'm my own friend now. Remember I've yes. learned how to do that. Yes. So I'm going to be all right. So my, my circle has gotten so much tighter mm -hmm. and it's, it, it, it simplifies everything for me. It really does. Yeah, so does. that's, that's, a, that's a huge part of, you know, and, and, and I, here's the thing, like if I mess up, if I say something wrong, if I, cause I'm quick witted and I'm joking around a lot of times. And sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've called yeah. myself like responding to a text, like real witty and somebody on text is like, Hey, they're really going through something. That's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. My bad. Like I'll call them directly and be like, listen, that's mm -hmm. on me. My bad. Mm -hmm. Like I will eat crow every day of the week. Same. Same. But and I don't understand, like, I don't understand the people who think they're too good to apologize. Mm -hmm. And this is another masculine thing. And I've heard this. Yes. Never, never admit that you're wrong. <sighs> never admit that you're wrong. Bro, how do you, how does someone like, you know, how much, how big of a narcissist someone has to be? Right. <laughs> to live that way. Live that way. Thank you. You know, I, I borrow from Ron White and Jody and I make this joke all the time. But when we hear something like that, we just look at each other and go, that's profiling. <laughs> and profiling is wrong. What made me cope with my depression, and I'm, I'm almost to the point certain I have ADHD. Laughter helps, and it, it was just until recently I realized that's why Jody jokes around with me so much to keep me laughing, and I return the favor. I joke, I joke around with her. Y'all know how much laughter can help. How's it helped? You? How's it helped you? How does laughter help you? And I and I see that smile, and I love seeing that smile. Yeah. How does laughter help you in your daily life? I look at. It, this is going to sound bad, but I try to make a joke out of everything. I really do because I only have a finite amount of times around the sun. On this yes, earth. I don't. There's only a fine. I, I I don't know when that day is going to be, but I know it's limited. I know it's limited. Yep. so. I like to have fun, and I like to bring smiles to people's faces. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe that laughter can just change a room, like I, there's been so many times when I have been upset at my kids for not not picking up their clothes or not turning off the, whatever it is, right? And one one will pop right. off and say something quick witted. And my wife and I just look at us like, and we'll start laughing. It changes the mood. It changes the room. 
I, I, I got my wife involved in creating the opening for my show because she said, so I was, I was stressed, mm-hmm. but I heard her say something in a certain voice and I laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. And I said, baby, can you record something for me? And she says, what's that? And I wrote down, so I, I wrote down, mister, will you please wake up? Because she, I, I adore Jody for, you know, just out of the blue, mister, what are you doing? And that would just get me going. I said, all right, she's got to do it. I said, can you record this? And she's, and she just looked at me with that evil smile, that mm-hmm. evil joking smile. How do you want it? I said, just do. I, I said, mm-hmm. do it the way Jody can do it. And all of a sudden, I turn the recorder on and I hear, Mister, will you please wake up? Died laughing. Died laughing. Mm-hmm. Patrick Voss joining us from Chicago. What's up, Snowman? What's up, Patrick? Good to good to see you, Mickey Delaney. Good to see you joining us from the Pacific Northwest. Having fun, and I know I'm going to butcher your last name. Mark Paisan, is that right? Close, Paisan. Paisan. Yeah. Yes. Paisan. Mm-hmm. Mark Paisan and I discussing discussing depression, bound, truly bouncing back from it, and how big laughter is. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I did a baseball I did a baseball series with uh, my friend Mike Ventola, and he comes up. And he's explaining how he does his his uh, his broadcast, and I won't say it here. He says I want to be out of here quicker than blank through a goose. I start laughing, and he has this shocked look on his face, and he goes, "I'm so sorry." I put my arm around him and I said, "Mike, my favorite comedian is George Carlin." Laughed all weekend. Great comedian. Laughed all weekend. Oh my god. How do you do how do you deal with your ADHD? I knew I'd butcher that. How do, you, how do you work with that? How do you how do you control it? Is the question I should be asking. Yeah, it um you know, another one of the things I had to learn that was was part of me and and I um and now, you know, have it my oldest daughter is is been diagnosed with it and and, mm-hmm. and it's funny, like there are some similarities between us, but Doctors are just learning more on how it manifests in women right. versus men. Right. And um, girls don't usually have the H part of it. Girls usually have the attention deficit disorder. And boys, younger boys, usually have the H, the hyperactivity. However, yep. as boys become men, that hyperactivity kind of goes away mm-hmm. because lo and behold, we have to hold jobs. We have to be patriarchy. We have to do, we have to live. So we can't be bouncing off of walls all the time. Yep. Um, so I, uh, I, you know, I, I've gone through my entire life, like not on medication and just knowing I had actually not knowing because at my, my mother, when I was younger, like refused to think that her child had ADHD and ADD right. and he just needs to apply himself. He needs to do better. Like, Boy, you know, um, yep. so, um, I, I, I started working at a startup company a couple years ago mm-hmm. and anybody who's worked for a startup, you know, that million miles a minute 
Like you have a title, but that doesn't mean that's what you're doing. Like I'm doing everything. I'm working, you know, 12 hour days. And yep. I finally say out loud, I'm like, I, I really feel like I'm getting nothing done. I really feel mm -hmm. like I, I can't focus on anything. Like I'm mediocre at a bunch of stuff. And yep. And finally my therapist at the time had, had talked to me about my AD, ADD, um, kind of symptoms and said, Hey, go talk to your primary care and just see what they say. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they can help you out because it is a controlled substance. It's one of the most controlled substance yeah. in, in the States. Like it, it, I mean, it's in for a reason because it mm -hmm. is, it is addictive. It's a stimulant. Um, and so I went and talked to him and he was one of those guys that was like, Hey, I'll be honest with you. I didn't believe in this stuff when it first came out. I thought kids mm -hmm. just had to try harder. Yeah. But he's like, I've seen what this can do for the right person. And he's like, let me start you on a, a small dose and it's Adderall. So it's stimulant. It's, it's fast in your system. It's quick release, but let me know if you, what happens with your anxiety, because in most people it will heighten right. your anxiety. You'll, you'll, it's a stimulant. Yes. And then he's like six to 7% of people, it'll affect their anxiety the other way you'll lose the anxiety and i was mm -hmm. like and i really was fearful of that because like there's no way i can have more thoughts in my brain like no way that can happen yeah i took this pill and um within two hours all my anxiety was gone mm. i was able like i had this focus that i've never ever had before in my life it was like i was looking through sheer curtains my entire life and they were just pulled up and wow. it's like, oh, oh, that's what the color red really looks like. Oh, that's what a, a dog actually sounds like. Every, everything was so much clear and I was focused and it was amazing. And so since then, and this is a little over a year ago, probably a year and a half now, um, I've been on a small daily dose and it, um, it really, it really helps. And the reason I like it the most for me is because it really helps with my anxiety. Like if I needed to like focus on my own, like I, I could, I could do the whole, all right, lock myself in a room. This is what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll, I can be mindful about when my mind, you know, goes adrift, but mm -hmm. like not having as much anxiety is, is just great, but that's not going to happen for most people. And I want people to know that, like, don't go right. to your doctor for Adderall and say, I want to help with my anxiety. They'll look at you like you have read the wrong thing. Like, that's not what this does. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, and, and to start taking it again in my forties and thinking, mm -hmm. wow. But again, I'm, I, I, it is what it like, I, I I'm here now. Like I'm here now. Like I, I, I'm cool with where I'm at now. I'm not going to dwell on the past and say, I should have been taking this when I was 21. Right. No, I, I, this is, this is, I'm, I'm here now. And that's the thing. The path that you, the path that you walk is the path that you walk. Mm -hmm. You can't change, you can't change anything. I had to learn that after Pops died. Mm -hmm. You know, he told me stay busy. That was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. I cannot do the opposite. I, ha I have to stay busy. I cannot yeah. tell you. <laughs> yes. I got you. I can't stay. I can't. I have to stay busy, man. You know, and when he gave me that advice and then later I, I, I lost him. Internally, I snapped because my hero was gone. And. That kind of turned the light on for me.
and it's taken till this, it's taken till now for me to really realize what my dad was saying to me while he was taking his last set of breaths. I just think about him taking his last breath. I never thought about until recently him telling me, you stay busy. I'll be okay. I can mask it by saying, oh, that's my dad telling me he's going to be all right and telling me to stay busy, but I never really grasped what he was saying to me. I never really grasped that until recently. And now it's like, okay, I got my dad's spirit in me. Mm-hmm. I can't do the opposite. I have I have to stay busy. This reminds me of him. This There's... There's two things that my dad told me. One being, and my dad's still with us, so I, I talked to him a couple times a week. One, of course, was, you know, stay busy a lot. You know, too much stuff is done in, in free time and stagnant time, like stay busy, keep yourself busy. Right. And that all that also can, y- y- you, you stay in that growth mindset if you're continually mm-hmm. keeping yourself busy. And the other thing he told me, which I keep to this day, and even though I'm talking to you on the show and I'm, I'm opening up about my emotions, things like that. But he told me, keep things close to the vest. Yeah. He's like, don't be the guy that just opens up to the world about personal stuff. Now, I will talk on my podcast about times I've been low. Mm-hmm. I will talk on my podcast about men opening up. However, I've seen too many times where I've met people and within day hours, I'm learning their deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. And yeah, that I, I don't know if those people realize, like, you're telling me that I can't tell you anything. You're telling me that I can't trust you with anything. Because mm-hmm. if within a couple hours, within one night of going out and grabbing beers, within a week of us even knowing each other, you're telling me some foul stuff you've done or some foul stuff your friends have done or things you've right. been involved like. Right. All right. Well, that that so to this day, like I always stay like people see this persona of me. And it's like Mark opens up. Mark's a good guy. Like, yes, I will. I will listen and I will be a good friend. However, don't expect me to just tell you about everything in my life or my friends lives or things like mm-hmm. that. Like I I, mm-hmm. I have more respect for myself than to do that. Ooh. This has been a powerful conversation mm-hmm. and Mark Paisant has joined me, not just for a conversation, but he is a friend mm-hmm. and I consider you a friend with everything that you've gone through and you've come out on the, and you've come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. I asked a question earlier, what was your low, your lowest point? And I mentioned two of them for me, losing my dad and losing my daughter, mm-hmm. my abusive relationship in 2015. And then getting diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. You want to talk about a man going through a grand slam of events, mm-hmm. but the event that lifted me up out of the hole was February 15th of this year had a routine, routine exam and a routine follow-up with, with my oncologist. And he's asking, you know, how's how's it going? And I also did an I did an MRI a couple weeks earlier, and he was reading the results of the MRI. We had, he said, we saw spots on your liver. We don't see them anymore. Um, working on the the uh, eye exam also, 
And my wife said, we're waiting until April 4th because that's the one year anniversary of my surgery. We're waiting to April 4th on, on April 4th to give us the news whether or not we're in remission. And Dr. Raghunath said out loud, the remission has started. Mm. You want to talk about a 50-year-old man dancing around the office like a 10-year-old? <laughs> Celebrating like I'd scored the winning touchdown or the winning bet. I and before I broke out in dance, I said, say that again. He says, You're you're in remission. The remission's already started. I was dancing like a fool internally and externally all the way home. If you don't think you can beat anything, if you (laughs) all the years of saying, and I still go through it with my depression and anxiety, don't get it twisted, but all the years of saying, I can't do this. All the years of saying this is not possible, all the years of of saying, you know, what 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 is this for? All of that for the most part disappeared on February 15th. When I got that piece of news. So now my wife and I are like, screw this. We're gonna work hard and get the heck out of Indiana. Like, baby, that's what I needed to hear. (laughs) Because she said, we want to be sure you're in remission and that you're doing okay before we get out of here. Well, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) We got that news. I looked at Jody and she looked at me. And we were both like, oh, it's on. (laughs) (laughs) We both are like, oh, it's on. <laughs> that is amazing. That is, uh, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. And me, me and my girls, we have we have one saying, and we we say, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Yep. And my daughter will repeat that to me daily, almost. Mm-hmm. Whether it's schoolwork, sports, whatever. And I, I, that it, it's the mindset you have to, it is. you have to, you have to believe in what you're capable of. You must, you absolutely must. Mark Paison joining me here on the Friday edition of the Brian Snow Show. Man, I'd love to have you back on. I'd love to be back on. This was great. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun too. God bless y'all. We'll see you Monday. Where sports is the bait. For tuning into the Brian Snow Show, where sports is the base, life and fun are the results. Mm-hmm.